0: Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at antiochraleigh.com.
1: It is such a joy to see everyone's beautiful faces. Uh, My name is Ben Wickwell. I'm one of the pastors. And uh, are you guys, I don't know, are people excited that summer is ending? our students excited? I know as a parent, I am rejoicing that school starting. My kids get to go back to school. Uh, I know students, a lot of our students may be lamenting, but we are uh, thrilled to be really, we're, we're, we're wrapping up a series uh, on that's been entitled, Called and Commissioned, and it is such in line with what you guys just witnessed that we all got to participate in, the the commissioning of some missionaries here. And here's really the vision behind this series. Our vision is to see this entire body, to see all of God's people, to see all of you guys uh, stepping into your callings, to see your vocations as full-time ministry, to see yourselves as missionaries where you're at. Like, that, that is the vision behind this series, and that we're all, we're all in full-time ministry. We are all sent ones. Uh, there's a, a, a phrase that theologians use, call it, it's, it's Latin, missio dei, and it's the mission of God. The idea is that our mission actually stems from the nature of God, that God himself is a missionary God. The Father has sent the Son into the world to save us. This Father and Son have sent the Holy Spirit into us to, uh, to, to adopt us and to release us. And then Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have sent the, the church into the world. And so we are all sent ones. And for several weeks, we've been highlighting various vocations. Do you guys remember some of the, the panels that we've done? Uh, We had a a a panel on business. We got to hear from some amazing business leaders, uh, marketplace ministers within our church. We had a panel on the the creatives, the creative industry. We had a panel with with healthcare workers and mental healthcare workers. Uh, Last week, Jolly led us through a a sermon about what our civic and, and, and governmental responsibility is as citizens of the kingdom And this week, we get the the privilege uh, of highlighting one of the most significant, important harvest mission fields in the world, and that is the the realm of education, the realm of student life and and teachers and educators. And as we just witnessed, we talked a little bit about um, one of our main mission fields, NC State. Uh, There are over, I want to say, 150,000 students Public school, private school in Wake County. There are, in addition to all the public schools, there are 72 private schools here. Uh, Steve mentioned how many college kids we have, how many college students there are um, in, in, in this area. Uh, I know at NC State in particular, there's over 30,000 college, college students right in our backyard. 6,000 of them are international students from 129 different nations. This is... Then you have... What's being taught in schools? You have worldview issues. And so we know that it's really, really important for us to own as a church uh, this particular mission field, student life, students and teachers. And so we get the the privilege of of hearing from some some folks that are really invested as students and administrators. And I also want to share a little bit of why we're doing more of a panel. Uh, It's a little bit different than the traditional sermon. But when we hear the the testimonies of what God is doing through you guys, uh, we get inspired and encouraged by what the Bible calls the the spirit of prophecy. Uh, Revelation talks about how it's the testimony of Jesus is is the spirit of prophecy. And so when we hear about what God is doing and God's goodness and faithfulness in their lives and in your lives, it inspires us to go, wait, God can do that in my life. He can do it in your life. And so we get the privilege of hearing from some mighty, mighty men of God, and uh, I, I, I want to jump right into it. And I want to have you guys—I know a lot of us know you already—but let's start with over here, Chris. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about like how you serve in this church or have served in the past, and then what you're currently doing, like vocationally, within the realm of education.
0: Uh, awesome. So yeah, so my name is Chris Hayes. Um, I started. It, well, this is going to date myself. I started coming to Antioch in 2012, uh, so I've been here a decade at this point. Um, and throughout the past ten years, I have served in college ministry, served as a college ministry life group leader, um, have traveled to Germany and Indonesia, uh, leading mission trips with Jeff and Mary Lou over there. Went with Nick and I to Indonesia, which was awesome. Um, Currently, I am a life group leader here of kind of a family life group, but, but a mixed group uh, of people who just want to seek the Lord together, um, and I also have been serving in children's ministry for like nine years, and so I'm still volunteering in children's ministry. Go kids! Go um, kids! So, so in terms of what I do, so right now I'm a doctoral student at NC State University uh, in the biological sciences, which I'll talk a little bit more. Yeah, that's right. So specifically bugs. So I am, I'm an urban entomologist, so I, I work with all the insects that you guys don't want to find in your house. Uh, and, yeah. and right now I principally work with bed bugs, um, which is fun. So <laughs> and we can always talk more about the later. So feel free to send me pictures. So that's me.
2: <laughs> um hey i'm emmanuel i am thank you um, i am a student here at, at nt state um in terms of when i came to antioch i came here on 2020 so i've been here about two years um and during that time i've served in the college ministry um, as a life group leader and just been on the prayer team here as well and just recently got a chance to go to mozambique and be part of the mission trip there which was phenomenal um I am a student at NT State, as I said earlier, and I'm about to enter my master's. I just graduated with my bachelor's this past year in electrical engineering, and I'm going to be focusing on my, my master's on machine learning. Um, and that's kind of who I am. Yeah. Woo! <laughs>
3: okay. so. So, hey, hey, I'm Emmanuel. <laughs> that silky smooth voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm
3: talking about, brother. Lay some jams on us today. Anyway, <laughs> my name is Chad Revel. Uh, we're not actively a part of Antioch anymore because God has us on a different assignment down in Sanford, North Carolina, um, the central of North Carolina, basically about 45 minutes from here. But uh, for about eight years, we served as elders. I was uh, about a year and a half as a youth pastor, working the kids so our family. This is our tribe, so we miss you guys, but God's got us on a different assignment down US One. Currently, I'm um, at Grace Christian School in Sanford as the Director of Development and Spiritual Life. That actually role is getting ready to change a little bit more to the Student Life Pastor. Mm. It's kind of a joint um, role. I'm just serving that campus because it's a school of roughly 1,500 from eight weeks old to 12th graders and then the church there. So it's kind of a, a joint, kind of combined mission there. So that's my current role there in Sanford.
1: Awesome. Well, I know the reason you guys are up here is because I, each of you see your current vocation, whether it's student or administrator, as more than just a job to get good grades or to bring in a paycheck. You guys see it as ministry. And I think it's so important for the rest of us to hear how did the Lord reveal that to you, that this was more than just that, that this was part of your calling uh, to to. To see His kingdom advance, and and Chris, we'll start with you. Show share a little bit about that story, that journey.
0: Yeah, um, so I come from a, a family in the western part of North Carolina, um, and I'm the first member of my family to go to college, so there wasn't really a, a kind of background there. And I came to NC State back in 2012, not really sure what I wanted to do, um, stumbled into a research lab, didn't know what I was doing, actually ruined a few experiments, um, but I learned a lot. Uh, and so through that process, I, I kind of developed this really, this love for, for uh, stubborn professors. Um, just realizing that there's a lot of people in university academia, which, to be honest, university academia usually gets vilified. Uh, And I think in some ways it can be accurate, right? You have a lot of worldviews. You have a lot of of atheistic mindsets um, in the university kind of faculty and staff. Um, But the way I have started to see them, and and the Lord is really, this this is one of the reasons I'm doing this, I want to go into that field because I view it as people who have spent decades of their life studying the creation of the creator, whether it's the biological sciences like me, whether it's uh, the physical sciences like Emmanuel will talk a little bit more about, um, whether it's psychology, whatever it is, you know, God created all of this. And and as a scientist, I'm taking time to begin to unravel the mysteries of his creation, things he already knows, right? Um, And and so I view all these professors and and postdocs and doctoral students and things as these people who have found this passion in life, who have devoted their lives to pursuing it, but they just don't quite have the correct lens on, in my eyes. And, and I think there's so much more that can be done with that curiosity when we pursue it through an encounter with the Lord, as opposed to our own, you know, isolated curiosity. So that's, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up feeling like, yeah, Lord, this is what I want to do. Amen.
2: Yeah, um, I actually… I, when I, I grew up in a, in, a tr- in a household who was believers and stuff, but in growing up, I never saw college students or students in general like really following the Lord. I just assumed like, yeah, you did that on the side, but when you came to school, it was your own thing, especially in college. Um, and so my worldview was completely rocked when I came apart part of Antioch, um, and just seeing the way that people so valued community um, and so valued. The, just loving each other on a consistent daily basis kind of changed my worldview on that. I began to see college is not this place of of just oh you do school and you do like ministry on the side or you do school and you do Jesus on the side. But like hey, this is all one and the same, right? That life upon which I do school and I spend with professors and friends is the same life where the testimony of Jesus can be so vibrantly shown in every aspect. Um, and, and seeing that in a daily basis, especially in a community as healthy as, as this. Um, is that's kind of how it came to the point of, like, wait, like, my entire life can be ministry while doing school at the same time.
3: Yeah, wasn't it wasn't like a day of epiphany for me. It's been years. It's been the factors and influences. One, if you guys are spending time with Steve, Steve's been basically my disciple for 22 years. 22 years, Steve. You're getting old, brother. 22 years. You've seen me grow up. from a wee little lad. Um, but being around Steve, and you'll, if you've been around him, he'll, he'll kind of press on you that there's not this sacred-secular divide. Before I went on staff with Grace Christian in Sanford, I was on staff full-time with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and actually, I'm the girls' varsity basketball coach at Grace, too, so I've coached for 25 years, and you put all that together in a soup, you, you start to understand, and the culture of FCA is is very much you use your platform as, as a gospel beacon. It's not this sacred-secular that you just, you got six other days of the week where you kind of just check out, and Sunday's Jesus time, and you know, a little dip here and there, but that's kind of been my life of like understanding. Then scripturally, First uh, Corinthians ten thirty one is just a scripture that's kind of stuck in there of the meaning of this. Of it says that whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you go skateboarding on a Saturday afternoon, or you walk in the park, or study bed bugs, heaven forbid. Um, <laughs> stay away from me, Chris. <laughs> no matter what you do. No matter what you do, it is, it is your assignment to bring glory to God, and that no matter where you stand is holy ground. So the, those things have been factors in my life to just kind of open up that, like, my vocation, my possession of Christ is not different from my profession and what I do.
1: That's good. That's good. Now, each of you guys have slightly different roles and contexts. And, Chris, I know you're particularly in a – you mentioned a little bit about the atheistic – almost maybe dominance that's within the realm of ac- academia, how as you as a student been able to be a witness for Jesus, uh, particularly in the sciences, uh, in, in that particular environment?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great question. Um, so I, I think it looks a little different in the realm of academia, where essentially, for lack of a better phrase of this, knowledge is God, where the more you know, the more you produce, the higher value you have. Um, and, and coming in as a doctoral student there, or any level of graduate student actually, there's this immense pressure to perform and to produce. Um, and so one of the ways that I, I feel like I've been able to, to really demonstrate the Lord and show him it's through kind of challenging that, that mindset, challenging that stereotype, and, and instead seeking to make sure that the fruit of the Lord, the, the fruit of my uh, pursuit of Him, my relationship with Him is, is really shown clearly, um, and so that when an experiment fails, which they inevitably do, uh, and obviously my lovely wife, Nikki, hears about that, um, but I don't respond in the same way that some of my colleagues do, right? There's this grace, there's this understanding, of like, all right, okay, Lord, I want to pursue this more. I want to ask you for kind of the next steps I should take as, as I'm pursuing this line of questioning, this line of thought. Um, and it looks a little different with other colleagues, and I'll talk more specifically about that, I think, a little bit later. Um, but really, I spend a lot of time in prayer in the lab uh, and, and in worship, right? The, the, the lab, the, the setting of, of working in a university building, you can't necessarily—I mean, you certainly could, but it, it's much more difficult to just walk in and start sharing the gospel kind of in the middle of the lab besides someone who's working on the bench, right? They're they're not generally going to be very receptive to that. Um, And so something I have been really seeking the Lord for is asking Him for open doors, because He'll do it. Um, Mm. And He'll bring those people of peace to you. He'll he'll, he'll open those doors for you um, in really unexpected places. And I'll share about that in a few minutes. Awesome.
2: Um, As for me, uh, I think my experience is a little bit different. I'm not in in the lab as much as as my friend Chris (laughs) is, thank God. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think for me, in a way... Where the Lord's been really highlighting the places for ministry has been in the fact that as a college student, especially as an undergrad, there's just so much flexibility. Like, yes, you have classes, and yes, you have a lot of homework to do, but you get to choose when to do that. And so because that there's such a freedom in being like, hey, Lord, there's so much freedom in this time, like in the order upon which I do this day, the day is yours. Lord. And so if you, like, if we're in the library and you say, hey, I want you to go prayer walk, we're going to go prayer walk, right? If you're in the library and you say, like, hey, I want you to evangelize to someone, then we're going to go and evangelize because there is such a freedom. And that's, like, such a blessing as a college student. Like, you have such a free schedule. There is no nine to five where I, like, it's harder to do that upon. Like, at any moment in the day, I can do that. Um, And so, and with that freedom and on top of that, just the ability to do life together, I, I find that, honestly, one of the biggest ways to testify about Jesus is the way you live your life like as, as a college student because people are around you so much more often that often I've seen the way you live as Chris was saying like has such an impact oftentimes you don't even need to share the gospel now don't take that like please share the gospel but like there's times where you, just people being around you so often like they see that something's different and that alone causes so many questions for them um,
3: so yeah that's what I'd share well, being in the Christian school, there's a little bit ease of sharing the gospel and expectation when you're the spiritual life director. But I've been around. Um, yeah. It's your job description: share Jesus, or you're fired. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, 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 been been been, but I've been outside that environment. What I will say this: though, being in a Christian school, you don't, you think that oh, that's easy, but actually, it is difficult at times because sometimes you get overchurched. You get with the kids with Bible classes and the chapel that I run and other things, it sometimes becomes white noise. And then what happens is, especially when you're speaking to the next generation, us old fogies, that we tend to start worrying about relevance. And here's the problem with that is we, become, we try to become, become so relevant that we're spiritually dead and that we stop trusting that the Scripture is living, active. It is the most relevant, the most cool, the most exciting invitation, the journey that any age group t- can be invited to. So even on the Christian campus and at Grace Christian School, we have a third of our our students are on opportunity scholarships. So it's not a it's not this elite um, economic class that goes there. We've tripled in size in three years. So we've got a lot of kids coming from the public schools that have never heard stu- uh, Jesus before. As a matter of fact, sitting in our chapels this year, you can see some of the public school kids sitting in the back going oh, wow, they're singing about Jesus and talking about Jesus in a school day. This is trippy, holy moly. They didn't know what to do with it. They were like, to a raise, raise, what do I do here? So there's a lot of opportunities even where I'm at, but it's just about understanding that the, the relevance of God's word is, is ultimately stand on that and be comfortable with that and not try to be so cool because, quite frankly, some of us are old enough, just stop it. We ain't cool no more. Just like, it, yeah, yeah, Jesse is specifically, so...
1: Chad, Chad, you have a testimony. Let's share some
3: testimonies about what God has been doing these past couple of years. 25 years of working with students, I've got a lot, but I'll go with a couple of recent ones um, because they're recent. Uh, one was I got a, a, a text from a dad that had coached with me at a youth football program I ran, and um, just, just the impact and, and the things he was telling me kind of just was it was awesome because you, sometimes you don't know the impact you're making until they reach out to you. And, and just what he wanted me to be, what he was telling me that how his son received the things I was speaking into his life through football, which is the greatest sport ever invented. So just FYI, um, um, yeah, God invented football. I'm just curious. I just didn't know if you knew that theology. Um, but that, and then this year at Grace, uh, stepping into that role, during the chapel, again, I get the freedom. Uh, we sh- uh, shared the gospel, made a gospel invitation to say yes to Jesus, and many kids said yes, made a proclamation of faith. Um, and then we said, okay, it's not just going to be a them about them. Let's walk with them, disciple them. So I reached out to several students. One, one student in particular was a new student in ninth grade, um, guy named William, and I would, I would meet with him every other week, just go through scripture with him, teach him how to read the Bible, pray. The biggest thing was he would never... He never prayed and he was like struggling to hear God's voice, which a lot of people do. It's like, I'm praying and I hear tacos. Okay, that may be God, but it's not God. You know, they struggled to hear God's voice. So we're walking, and then school ended in May. And then over the summer, I didn't hear anything from him because we can't give our numbers out. It's kind of a policy not to text with students and stuff. So he was like, can I get your numbers? Like, no, but we can email. And then, so I set him up on the YouVersion app, and we were going through a Bible plan together through the New Testament, the Bible project, um, through the New Testament. We'd been doing that in the spring, and, and then I had it on the summer because we can both see each other's progress, and then there's places to make notes in there. And so I hadn't heard from him in a couple of months, and I get um, a message that comes through my email and the little app, and it says that William made some comments. Well, he was using the comments as a way to communicate with me. And I opened up the app, and I started reading, and I had my wife read it after I read it. He started confessing. He said, hey, Chad, I haven't heard from you in a while. God's been doing an incredible work in my life this summer, and he started confessing all these things to me that he lied to me about and whatever, and asked for my forgiveness. And just just the. the, how God en- engaged His heart through discipleship and walk with Him, and how He's just confessed it. And He's like, "Man, I love you so much." And it was just, I mean, it was just awesome to see that because you never know. Um, and I ain't cool, right? I just like share Jesus because Jesus is ultimately the coolest. And that's the kind of the, a cool testimony that just happened.
1: Praise God, that's awesome. Yeah.
3: Amen. Um, yeah, actually, I actually have two testimonies, and the
2: first is kind of similar to yours, um, Chad. I with the year COVID hit at state, in like the full year of COVID, I had a random roommate once, and his name was Sam, um, and he was atheist. Didn't really he was oh, I guess agnostic is the better word. He was open to listening, but didn't really know. Had never read the Bible before, um, and so like I just spent the the semester trying to love him really well. You know, always inviting him um, to like life groups or like to, to things like Alpha, where he could like learn about the Bible. He never took me up on it, but he I was around him enough um, that he saw my lifestyle. And so the summer passes, like eight months passes, I talked to him and I'm thinking like, hey, we love the guy, we invested, it's okay. Um, And then I see him eight months later and like we're playing video games and stuff and at the end he comes to me really nervously and asks, "Um, hey, I've started reading the Bible and I don't know what I'm doing. Like, do you mind like doing a Bible study with me so I can understand? And also my roommate's really struggling, can he come too? And it was just like, you're just like, what? You know, like, God just, like, drops, like, this thing in front of your lap, you know? And it's, like, because you live a lifestyle with people and you're living life with people, like, it, like, impacts them for months at a time. Like, I didn't talk to this guy for eight months. And the second I see him again, he wants to have a Bible study, even though we've never had one before. Um, and so just, like, the power of living a life consistently around people does, like, absolute wonders. Um, a second testimony, another guy named Sam. Different guy, I promise. Um, was i I encountered this guy this is also during COVID. um i encountered a friend i had known him before i had really started following jesus um and i encountered him in a bible study he was also agnostic really curious but didn't know what he was doing um and he was in a bible study with two other believers and they asked me to join and i was like of course let's do it um and over the course of just consistent discipleship and doing bible studies and answering questions and just living life with him he came from a point of hey i don't know if god's real to God's real, and after making that proclamation, a week later going out and evangelizing with us. Um, And it was just like the works of God. And like, if you are just there and present, like God would do the rest. And especially as a college student, we have so much time to be there. Um, And so it's like really important to like let God have that time. Um, And just watch as God do some things that you're just like, All right, this wasn't me, this was you. I can't can't claim any of this.
1: Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Woo!
0: Those are, those are awesome testimonies. Um, so I, I'll share two as well. Uh, we didn't coordinate this. Um, so the the first one I'll share is, is with a work colleague. Um, I won't name him, but um, he had been in the lab with me for close to a year, and, and I had just been asking the Lord for an open door, just, just as I was mentioning earlier, just this prayer, like, Lord, like, I care about this guy, so he's a Muslim. I, I would love an open door. Um, he's a great guy. We would get lunch together. We'd talk all the time. Um, but there just was never this interest in, in going into deeper things, and, and it's not something I wanted to push. Um, and so then I, I came in one day, and he was listening to something in his headphones, and I asked him what he was listening to. And he's like, oh, I'm listening to this really cool pro- podcast on all the prophets of Islam. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, who are you on? I don't remember who he was on at the time. But, but we started to kind of, every week he would go to a new prophet, and I would talk with him. And then finally, one week, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm on the prophet Isa, which is Jesus. And, and I was like, awesome. So, so I went home that weekend. I came back in Monday. And I was like, hey, man, what did you learn about Isa? Like, like, how was it? And he starts talking to me. And then out of nowhere, he just goes, hey, are you religious? And I'm like, open door. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's right there. And so I go, yeah, man, I actually love Jesus. Like, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. Um, and he pauses for a second. And he looks at me. And he goes, this was like, this is honestly one of the most life-changing comments I've ever received. He looks at me. He goes, Chris one of us is wrong and going to hell. Mm. He was like, how do we solve that? And I'm like, well, let's talk about it, you know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, so so, he and I spent an hour and a half just just talking back and forth. Um, it was such a wonderful conversation. And ultimately, it was a lot of me listening to questions he had about Christianity and, and answering them. And, and he is not a believer yet. I'm believing for him. Um, but at the end of the conversation, he said, well, you know, where do we go from here? And, and I posed him the question. Um, I said, person, um, if Muhammad is greater than Isa, in your view, then why in the Quran does Isa receive so much privilege from Allah? Why does he never die? Why does he actually born of a virgin? Why does Isa never sin, according to what you believe? Why does he receive that privilege and that honor? And I was like, I believe it's because he is God, that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross for us, what do you think? And his answer was, I actually don't know. He's like, I've never asked that question before, but I don't have an answer. And so he left with that question. And, and he and I have talked some since, and, and it hasn't come back up. Um, but I've been praying for him, and, and my hope is to bring it up again soon. So that's, that's one. The second is a little background. So, so, in academia, in university research, you go to a lot of conferences. And so, at these conferences, it, it's, there's a lot of pressure on, right? You're in front of people like this, this many people or more, and you're presenting your research. And you might get people who stand up and say that's crap, you know, that's not good. Or you might get people who say they like it. But there's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. Um, And so I met a colleague there. And and I like these conferences because you get people from around the world, around the country, I mean, everywhere, right? Come to this location. It's like you don't have to go to a mission field. The mission field comes to you. It's really awesome. Uh, So I had this colleague I met there. She's from New Mexico, and it was her day to present, and something really minor happened, and she went off the handle at me um, over, just out of nowhere. It was something I totally didn't expect, um, and, and I approached her after like 10 minutes and just said, hey, like, I love the Lord. Like, can I just pray for peace for you? Like, can I take this opportunity to, to just minister to you? Um, and she just, like, broke down and started crying. And she's like, I love the Lord too, but I've just felt so distant from him lately, and, and it's so hard in this profession to find him and to pursue him. And we end up spending an hour talking to one another and just me having the opportunity to pray for her. Um, and, and so, yeah, just these powerful testimonies of, of, of being open and seeking the Lord in, in this, you know, realm of, of university. So, awesome. You know.
1: Thanks for sharing, Chris. Uh got one more question for you guys you guys are on the front lines of what we mentioned is one of the most important mission fields harvest fields uh, classroom student life teachers education what um, kind of words of wisdom or exhortation would you give fellow students other educators or even even if we're not in that role but it's important for the rest of the body to know what's happening and, and how we can be praying for that as well
0: yeah i think I think riding off um professors and super high level academics is the wrong choice. I think they're a body of people that the Lord cares so deeply for, just like he does everyone else um, and and like I said, they have this wealth of knowledge of pursuing what the Lord has made the world into. They just haven't seen it through the lens of of faith and, and salvation yet, but we have the opportunity to to partner with the Lord and see that done um, I, I I think If you're considering going into it or considering ministering to people who are professors, um, postdocs, that kind of level of of people, it's a a long process. Uh, From my experience so far, it's not short. It's not immediate. I mean, certainly I think there are people who um, you can share the gospel with and immediately they come to know him. But a lot of them have spent decades building up their reliance on their own knowledge and their own strength. Um, in their own production, and so there's a lot of of vulnerability there you have to work through. Um, But the beautiful thing is we have people at all levels of career uh, who are people of peace and who love the Lord and pursue Him. Uh, We have a professor in engineering in this room who loves the Lord, and she is just an amazing, amazing partner at NC State, Um, and they're there. Um, But but yeah, it's definitely a long road to get there and and to share with people, Um, but they have a heart, and and, yeah, once you break through that wall, I mean, I feel like things just click for them,
2: you know, so... That was good. Um, I think I've been kind of like harping on this, but this is honestly the word of wisdom I'd give is just like use your time. Like, And honestly, the better way of saying it is like surrender your time, because there is so much as college students that we have. Um, and to like relentlessly, relentlessly pursue people, like you're saying, Chris, it doesn't take it's not very quick a lot of times. A lot of times it's a lot of just investment in, in really doing life with people, you know, like not just like doing Bible studies with people, but like going out and like playing soccer with them or going out and just grabbing some lunch. Um, but really being like, hey, my time is yours. And honestly, Lord, you've given me this. So like let it be done for your purposes. Um, and I, I think really just having that heart posture of, of just being like, hey, my time is, is not for me. I mean, honestly, it, it's not for me. It, it is for the, the purposes of you and to love others that are in front of me um, and really having that hard posture. Like the Lord, if you have that hard posture, trust me, the Lord will take care of everything else.
3: I'll speak directly into the 21st century student because what I deal with mainly, so basically 21 and under. Um, the first place to start, no matter what ministry level or generation you're going to speak into because we're all called to, you better shepherd your own heart. Um, God didn't tell us to get it all figured out before you go, but how your heart is and what freedoms you have or have not will dictate how effective you really are. Um, But on the the student, the 21st century student, you really need to understand what is out there around them because sin hasn't changed. It's been around here for, forever. Um, psychology, the brain hasn't changed. Teenagers haven't changed. Culture around them has changed. The family structure has changed. The, the information overload is just inundating everyone, especially students. I mean, they're on Instagram and Snapchat. That's where they are. So there's a lot of what's pulling at them and their attentions, in their affection. So understanding that the enemy is just clouding and distracting them. And so what you have is you have a current generation of broken hearts. You have the family is, is disrupted. You have, I just saw the Pew Research said that 44% of, of children today are born out of wedlock. I mean, everything is is disoriented. And so you have a, gener- a, cult, a current generation that's crying out for someone and something to, gra- to capture their heart. Every human being wants their heart captured, but today's students, 21 and under, are so inundated with love me, love me, love me, give me affection, validate me, that that's the current climate and culture they're around. So, you have to understand that as you, as you want to minister, as you want to reach out to that younger generation. And then I, I would encourage any adult in here, just be careful of, that you've dealt with your, your own stuff. Because I have a friend of mine in the psychology realm, he's, he's, a, he's a PhD, he's got all the initials. And he said a lot of 12 to 15-year-olds at formative years grow up to be 45, 50, 60-year-old teenagers with money. Because they never reconciled their own brokenness, their own hearts in middle and high school. And so if you take that brokenness into the high schools, I can tell you right now, teenagers will eat your lunch. They really will. Um, they don't have the maturity of filter of tact, and they are professional slammers, you know what I'm saying? That's all they do is meme and cut you down. That's what, remember when you were a teenager? You ain't got a job, so all you got to do is think of, you know, pithy things to say, right? It's like, right, your mama jokes, right? That's all they do. So you have to understand that environment. And one last thing is, If you're an adult, um, stop trying so hard. If polyester is your drip, I just gave you a teenage word, by the way. Drip means what you wear. So there you go. it's a free one right there. (laughs) If polyester is your thing, then rock polyester and just be Jesus to them. Also, recognize your pride and your insecurity because here's what happens. Where you're in an older situation where you look at a person where you're in authority of, your pride wants to be right, and teenagers will kick against that. I got four of them, I know. Your insecurities wanna control. And as a recovering control freak, it is an illusion and it damages so many young lives because we wanna go in there and manipulate and behavior modicate and we wanna go, why can't you listen to me and change? And it's about just influence and understanding that if we have pride and insecurities, that are heavily uh, manifest in our own lives. It's, it's going to be a mess when you try to speak into the current young generation with all of the things they're dealing with. So, that's, that's just some things. It was difficult when I was thinking about a question to compress 25 years of experience of like, what's the most important thing? But honestly, stand on the Word of God. Be excellent in what you do. Be creative. Yes, be creative when you're dealing with students, but don't be so relevant that you're spiritually dead. The Holy Spirit, G- Jesus is the number one tool and number one relevant, cool thing that you can present to them, and be confident in that.
1: Amen. Can we give it up for these guys? Thank you so much. Woo. I'm going to invite our, our worship team to come up, and, and we're going to have everyone stand, and we're going to transition to a, just a, a session of ministry. Yeah, you guys. As the, the worship team comes up, we're going to do something that we do every Sunday, and that's a time of ministry, but ministry is going to look a little different. In fact, we are going to exercise one of the most powerful ministries that we have, and that's the ministry of intercession. Uh, Intercession is is simply a fancy word for we're going to meet with God on behalf of others, on behalf of the students in this room, on behalf of the educators in this room, on behalf of the thousands of uh, of students and educators that are in this county, and we're going to lift them up. Uh, did you guys sense that the Spirit of God was moving on them? Yeah, And so we can partner with them, we can partner with the students and educators here to see God's kingdom continue to advance. And so what we're going to do, uh, I'm, first I'm going to have Michael Pierce is going to come up. He's going to lead it. We have a couple people that are going to lead us through some prayer points. And we're going to have you guys just break up into groups of maybe two to four or five. And we're going to have a couple prayer sessions. And just for a couple minutes, just be praying for students. I think that's going to be the first one. We're going to pray for students. And then in a second, we're going to be praying for for teachers and educators. But Michael, why don't you start us off? Just share a little bit about what we're going to be praying for first.